Section 4 of Edward the Black Prince by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 4 The Siege of Calais. After the Battle of Crecy, the road to Calais lay open to Edward III. It was of the utmost importance to him to gain possession of this town its port was the home of the french pirates who so fatally damaged his commerce if he could but gain possession of it they would be destroyed and he would gain a new and convenient harbour for his trade with flanders to take calais by assault was hopeless on account of its strong fortifications edward determined to besiege it and reduce the town by starvation he caused to be built round its walls a whole town of wooden houses in which he lodged his army this wooden town was laid out in streets and the houses were thatched with straw there was even a market-place where markets were held on wednesdays and saturdays english and flemish merchants brought cloth bread and meat and supplies of all kinds for the comfort of the army communications were opened with england and money was asked for and obtained from parliament english ships blockaded the harbour and were stationed all along the coast so as to cut off all approach to the unfortunate city reinforcements came over from england queen philippa joined her husband in the camp the english waited patiently in confidence of success the english arms were successful on all sides the french withdrew from the garonne and left the english in undisputed possession of guienne and poitou but in england itself a great danger had arisen the scots were always ready and eager to cross the border now that they knew that the king of england was away in france with all his bravest soldiers they thought there would be no one to resist them and that they would be able to march unopposed to the gates of london itself a large army under david bruce crossed the border and proceeded as far as durham burning and destroying everything in their way but the archbishop of york and the lords henry percy and rafe neville had gathered together all the men they could find amongst whom were even many clergymen eager to fight in defence of their country they came upon the scots unaware at neville's cross near durham the English fought valiantly, wishing to emulate their victorious countrymen at Crecy. Here again the English archers decided the day. The Scots were completely routed. David Bruce, the great Earl Douglas, and many other nobles were taken prisoners, while still more lay lifeless on the field. David Bruce was taken to London, which he entered solemnly riding upon a horse, amidst a great concourse of spectators, who received him with silent respect he was led to the tower where he was destined to remain a long while in brittany also the english arms had been successful charles of blois de montfort's rival had been taken prisoner and was sent to the tower the king of france was determined at least to save calais messengers were sent to him by john of vienne the governor of calais saying that he could not hold out much longer seventeen hundred of the useless inhabitants of the town had already been turned out and had been kindly received by the english who gave them food and suffered them to pass on the garrison had eaten all the dogs and cats in the town 
starvation was staring them in the face they must surrender if help did not come philip assembled an army at whitsuntide and marched to raise the siege of the suffering city but when he drew near he found that it was impossible to approach the english army which was securely entrenched he sent messengers to edward asking him to come out and give him battle in the open field but afraid to risk another battle after the defeat of crecy he determined to leave the city to its fate and broke up his camp the unfortunate garrison saw the army which they had hoped would save them turn its back without striking a blow further resistance was hopeless and the famished garrison asked for terms edward would grant none he was enraged with the city on account of its obstinacy and hated its citizens because of the many deeds of piracy by which they had injured his commerce he sent sir walter manny to the governor saying that he would grant mercy to the garrison and the inhabitants if six of the principal burghers gave themselves unconditionally into his hands with ropes round their necks and the keys of the town in their hands when the governor had heard the king's answer from sir walter manny he went into the market-place and caused the bell to be rung when all the inhabitants of the town had assembled he told them what the king of england had said then there was great weeping and lamentation till up rose the wealthiest citizen of the town eustace de st pierre and said it would be a very great pity to suffer so many people to die through famine i will be the first of the six then the citizens seemed as though they would have worshipped him falling at his feet with tears and groans it was not long before others were found willing to die for their fellow-citizens they were followed to the gates by lamentations and sir walter manny led them to the king's pavilion there they fell upon their knees before edward and presenting him with the keys begged him to have mercy upon them so pitiful was the sight that the english barons and knights who stood around wept to behold it edward only eyed them angrily for he hated the citizens of calais then spoke sir walter manny ah gentle king restrain your anger let not the world have cause to speak ill of you for your cruelty but edward refused to listen queen philippa threw herself on her knees before him and said with tears ah gentle sir since i have crossed the seas with great danger to see you i have never asked you one favour now i most humbly ask as a gift for the sake of the son of the blessed mary and for your love to me that you will be merciful to these men the king after looking at her in silence for some time said ah lady i wish you had been elsewhere but i cannot refuse you i give them to you to do as you please then the queen and all the knights were very joyful and philippa took the noble citizens to her tent and gave them new clothing and feasted them and giving them each six nobles of gold sent them out of the camp in safety it was on the fourth august thirteen forty seven that calais fell into the hands of the english edward caused all its inhabitants to leave it except some few who made their peace by swearing fealty to him to repeople the town he offered great privileges to such english merchants as would settle there soon it became again a bustling busy commercial city and was of great importance to the trade of england during the two hundred and eleven years 
that it remained in her possession. Edward stayed some little while at Calais, during which time Prince Edward led frequent foraging expeditions into France. Pope Clement VI had been unceasing in his attempts to make peace between the kings of France and England. Now once more his legates appeared upon the scene, and at last succeeded in negotiating a truce, which was agreed upon on the 28th of September, and was to last till a fortnight after the next midsummer day. On the 12th of October the king and his son landed at Sandwich. This time he did not return without having done something decisive. Between the 10th July 1346 and the 4th August 1347, the great battles of Crecy and Neville's Cross had been won, and Calais had been taken. The tower was crowded with noble prisoners, the whole country was enriched by the spoil won from the French. All this showed the power of the English people, the ability of their king, and the bravery of his son. It was a proud moment for England when her king and his son came home, crowned with the laurels of victory. After this, Edward stayed almost constantly in England, and devoted himself to domestic legislation, as he had entire confidence in the ability of his son to conduct foreign campaigns. It is supposed that Prince Edward gained the name of the Black Prince from the French after the Battle of Crecy when he fought in a black cuirass. Some time after the siege of Calais, Edward III left England once again to indulge in an adventure which was more befitting a knight-errant than a king. He heard that Geoffrey de Charny, a French knight, had been trying to bribe the Genoese commander whom he had left in charge of Calais. Edward gave orders that the negotiations should be continued and arrangements made to admit a body of French soldiers under Geoffrey de Charny at the great gate of Calais leading to Bologna. He then crossed the seas with his son, Sir Walter Manny, and a picked body of knights. The king and his son were to fight disguised under the banner of sir walter manny at the hour appointed the great gates were opened and the french were preparing to enter when the english sprang from their ambuscade and with shouts of money to the rescue fell upon the french sir geoffrey saw that he had been betrayed but turning to his men he said gentlemen if we fly we shall lose all let us fight valiantly in the hope that the day may be ours then there were many stout passages of arms between the English and the French. The King of England singled out the bravest knight among the French, Sir Eustace de Ribaumont, who had no idea with whom he fought, and twice struck Edward down on his knees. At last he was obliged to surrender himself to the King, and the honour of the day belonged to the English. All the French were either slain or captured." Only after the fight did the French know that the King of England had been there in person. It was the evening of the new year, and Edward determined to celebrate the night with a great feast to which the French prisoners were bidden. All were seated round the table with the King, dressed in new robes. All, English and French alike, made good cheer. Prince Edward and the English knights served up the first course, and waited on their guests, then seated themselves quietly at another table. After supper the tables were removed, and the king remained in the hall talking with the knights. To Sir Eustace de Ribaumont he said, smiling, Sir Eustace, you are the most valiant knight in Christendom that I ever saw attack his enemy or defend himself. I never yet found anyone in battle who hand to hand 
gave me so much to do as you have done this day i adjudge to you as your just due the prize of valour above all the knights of my court the king then took off a chaplet of pearls very rich and handsome which he wore round his head and placed it upon the head of sir eustace bidding him wear it for love of him he also gave him his liberty without ransom allowing him to go on the morrow wherever he would End of section 4